in any professional sport, activity, or discipline, having the opportunity to compete and represent your home country is one of the highest honors any athlete can attain. The countless hours of training, both mentally and physically, dedicating yourself to one goal is both excruciatingly hard and overwhelmingly rewarding as the demands to attain that level of success are met by only a select few. Every four years, the Olympic Games are held for both summer and winter games, whereby each country puts forth their best and most promising athletes in hopes of taking home the gold medal. With the world watching and the home countries unconditionally supporting their representatives, so much is on the line at all times. As the 2020 Summer Olympics draws near, Tokyo has the honor of hosting one of the world's most coveted competitions. In the running for a medal in one of the most demanding events, the 10-kilometer open-water swim, often known as the Marathon of Swimming, I have the opportunity to talk with Mazen Aziz, Egyptian-born professional swimmer who competed for his home country of Egypt in the London Summer Games in 2012. Prior to London, one of Mazen's highest finishes includes a third-place result in the 2008 World Cup Series. In our discussion, Mazen and I have the opportunity to talk about what fueled his passion for swimming, the insane training and workout regimens needed to compete for such a physically and mentally demanding event, how he overcame tough personal and religious challenges throughout his life and professional career as a swimmer, and his passion for the sky. Yes, he is a licensed pilot and enthusiastic flying hobbyist. I had a lot of fun talking with Mazen, and whether you are a professional athlete looking for tips on how to get that competitive edge, or just a sports enthusiast, our discussion gets right into the weeds of what it's like, and takes, to compete at the highest level. All right. Uh, hello, Mazen, and thank you for uh, joining the show. I appreciate you being a, a guest with me. Uh, welcome to Interesting People, Interesting Things. Um, just as a uh, little background, so Mazen is a professional swimmer. Uh, he competed in the 2012 uh, Summer Olympics. He is originally from uh, Egypt, and, and he's still a professional swimmer, and he wants to uh, compete in the 20. 20 Summer Olympics uh, in Tokyo. He is currently uh, an architect working for a large firm uh, in the Bay right now, and he's also pursuing his uh, swimming passion as well. Um, so let's uh, jump right into it. Uh, I like to start out uh, with a little couple warm-up questions just to kind of get the juices flowing a little bit. And I think a fun one might be, um, if you can live in any TV home, uh, what would that be? So, in other words, what's your favorite TV show, and could you see yourself in that show? I guess. Uh, first off, thanks for having me. Uh, and uh, when it comes to a TV show, I, I would. How I met your mother. How I met your mother. What uh, What character would you be in that show? Mosby. Mosby, really? Okay, I, I did watch a little bit of that. Uh, I, I, he's he's Ted's rather rather funny. Yeah, uh, is. anything particular that you like about him? Uh, it's just um, it's more of a reality show where it puts few things together in in one topic. So like being an architect and then living in a large city, uh, talking about dating and talking about architecture life in general, talking about um just just the difficulties he was having as an architect starting his career and he's uh, also a hopeless romantic too. and he is very <laughs> hopeless do you, romantic. Do, you, do you share similar traits there? uh not necessary um but he he's just a he's just a different character and i don't think there's a lot of shows out there that um shows um reality shows about architects you know yeah Awesome. Um, Seinfeld, Art Vandelay, another one right there. He's, he was a favorite of mine. Uh, 
Um, awesome. Uh, so uh, another one. Um, uh, what is one of like your most embarrassing uh, childhood memories? Oh man, there's, going way back there. There's a lot. Um, Just one that pops to mind. Uh, well, so in in swimming, there's always like you wanna. Especially before competing, uh, you want to always act like you know what you're doing and like you, you're going to win and all this stuff that we know when it comes to uh, competing. And uh, when I was six years old, I got into uh, the studying blocks in swimming before um, a swim meet. And then like I'm acting like I know what I'm doing, like I'm going to like jump and win. Uh, but then... Um, the guy was t- was saying, take your mark to start racing. And then I just jumped in the pool and I hit the bottom of the pool and I just hit my my head. And uh, that was just, I don't know, for me, that was just very embarrassing because thinking that like, oh, I was going to do this. And then everyone was like, oh my God, like what happened to you? So, so your race ended right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, right away. Yeah. Obviously you came a long way uh, yeah. since yeah. then. Well, yeah. well, that's good to know. Um all right, so uh, and you're originally from uh, Cairo, Egypt. Um, and can you tell me maybe a little bit about uh, what it was like growing up in Egypt, uh, kind of your, your family life a little bit? Uh, what did you like to do? Yeah. Um, so the reason why um, I am who I am today is because my parents. Uh, my mom uh, was a professional swimmer as well. And uh, my dad was a professional bodybuilder. He got, um, he was a, his top achievement was turn world champs in um, 1964 um, um, in bodybuilding. And, um, and my mom was always competing in swimming. She didn't really make it to that top, but she made it to compete in different World Cups. Uh, so she was pretty good, and um, and I feel like that's why me and my siblings are were always very competitive growing up and being in sports. Um, are, are they all swimmers? Uh, they started in swimming, but then now they are in fighting sports. Uh, so my brother, uh, he's in boxing now, and my other brother in wrestling. The old starting started with swimming. So from a young age, uh, your parents really pushed you into sports, or this was something that you did because you saw that they were at such a high level. Um, that's that's a funny question because um, yeah, they pushed my my siblings. They pushed both my older brothers, but then uh, they never pushed me because I was uh, four years younger than them. Um, but then I just always. Uh, love to go and watch them uh, swimming and I will be on the pool deck while they swimming I will try to raise them running on the pool deck um, and why I said it's funny because um, one day while I was doing that I felt in the pool and um, luckily my dad saw me so he got me out of the pool uh, on the age of four and then I got very sick um for like two weeks and then after that when i that's when i asked my dad to that i want to learn how to swim like my brothers so your uh 
your indoctrination to swimming was because of a fear of, but, of the because water. Because of a fear, yes. Wow, yes. tackling your fears from an early age. That's a quite a great uh, character trait there. Uh, yeah, yeah, it just got me... Obviously, I was feeling terrible about myself that oh, I couldn't really even handle myself uh, of being in the water and it just made me feel like I should really do that to be like them as well, to be like my siblings. So swimming something you've done from a very early age. Oh, yeah, since since four. Wow, that's, uh, that's amazing, actually. Uh, I mean, I had a similar story where my dad got me into tennis when I was four as well, and I didn't compete in the Olympics, but I played pretty high in, in college, and it's something that you do your whole life, and you grow up, and you, you train for it, and, and I know the dedication and the, the commitment that it takes to kind of dedicate your life to something and and knowing that you started at four years old swimming and and ironically uh you started because you fell into a pool uh, makes it uh the story all more uh, worthwhile so that's it's quite interesting how uh that all worked out for you oh totally yeah uh especially when it's something you do all your life it just you know it's part of your life you know like you can't live without it so. absolutely i definitely know the feeling uh so did you do anything else besides swimming or was that really the thing that you oh yeah yeah so um swimming is such a a tough career because once you get into it you um you basically have no life because you swim twice a day uh and then you do lifting so you to four times a week um so especially as a child or as a even as a grown up, you know, like when you are as a child, your parents have to be with you all the time. They has they have to take care of you. They have to drive you here and there. Um, they have to wake up with you at five thirty in the morning, take you to practice. Um, so it's not it's not just you. It's not just your effort, but it's everyone around you. It's part of it. Um, it was a true family commitment. Oh yeah, everyone, even even my siblings. And your entire family wholeheartedly supported you and totally. Yeah, but um I think my mom saw how it was being uh, a professional swimmer as well. Uh and then after that seeing how much effort um she was doing with my siblings, so she wanted us to stay away from swimming. She actually wanted us to just know how to swim, um, but to be able to do different sports than swimming. Uh, so she put us in karate, she put us in water polo, she put us in like soccer, she put us like in so many different sports, and um, I, I basically sucked in all of them. Except swimming, of course. Except swimming. So, yeah. so when did you notice that you were good at swimming? And this is something that you were going to dedicate yourself to uh i actually didn't know that till very late on later on in my life um when when i started um i was always losing uh i was always last uh, especially in my i was always best on my when it comes to my club team but then when we go to compete in a bigger scale or like nationals or all this stuff i was just always last i was i never never won um 
and not even fifth or sixth or like any middle position but i was always last um which really got me so angry uh because you know i was always doing my part and i was always working so hard i was always best on my team uh but then when we go and compete somewhere i would lose and i would lose really bad was it because everyone else was just better or was it because maybe under the pressure of competing you didn't perform what do you think it maybe was? i i actually till today i don't know uh i think our club team wasn't just it was good but i think my le- my age wasn't that good so i was always comparing myself to them but then when we go compete in a bigger scale you get hit with the two that i'm no nowhere near them and how old were you when you were competing for your club? And this was in Egypt? Yeah. And so how old were you when... So you start competing when you're six. And then till you... And I was losing till I was 14. Wow, it's quite a losing streak. Yeah. Yeah, for a long time. About eight years there. Yeah. Did that take a mental toll on you or... It made me... I think it made me way more competitive. Because um, you just said, I'm done with the losing. I'm going to start winning now yeah and i actually never i don't know for some reason i just never quit it and every competition i i I will just tell myself the next one i'm gonna do better and it just never happened but till one day we got a new coach for our swim team and uh, i was always competing in short distance and he was i he suggested that i start competing in um long distance or even middle distance first and uh, i was like this is crazy because i think that i'm a short distance guy uh i got the speed and i think i'm i'm for it and but he just suggested said just give it a try and see how it is and uh on the age of 14 i went to nationals and that's when i got third that's when i podium the first time wow congratulations so that was your big breakthrough moment when you were 14. Yeah, I, I, that was one of the happiest days of my life. And this was in one of the long distance events? That was middle distance, middle distance yes. Event. So that was a 400 long course. Okay, and about how long does it take to complete a race like that? It's about four minutes. Okay, and it's an all out sprint this whole time? Uh, yeah, like, yeah, basically all out, yeah. And so compared to what you were doing before, how much longer was the race? Oh, it's a lot longer. So, like, I would always compete in 50s, uh, maximum, like, 100s. Which is but one or two laps yeah, in the ex- olympic size pool. Yes. Right, so it's 50. 50 is one and 100 is two. Uh, 400. So, you do the math. Yeah, absolutely. So, what kind of uh, training did you do to kind of ramp up for a middle distance event? Uh, I guess in the younger age, it doesn't really... Um, you don't really make much difference uh, in training. And at that point, I think I just gave it a try and I just followed my coach's suggestion. Uh, But after that, that's when I start focusing with more of a middle distance, distance practice. I see. And at this time in your life, you know, you were still very young. You didn't necessarily know what you wanted to do in your life. You kind of were just still figuring it out. So was this mostly for fun? I, I would say at this point I just start getting way more competitive uh, because I saw the guy who got first and second and I was like, 
I'm I'm better than them. Like I can I I I can win it. I can win it, but then um I I just I just for some reason I, I believed on myself when I was still losing and even when I got third it just made me way more competitive to keep going and like because I felt like I was very very close to start getting gold medals so you always saw yourself as as a winner because sometimes when you lose and have repeated streaks of losing it, it's very tough to kind of uh get back up right but obviously for you you decided to uh continue and and i think that's very admirable because not many people would do that especially after eight years of losing and then switching to a an entirely new class uh, middle distance like that so that's awesome that you're able to uh make that switch and and i guess since then you've continued to increase your distances in in your races and now you compete in one of the longest or it might even be the longest um swim event out there the uh 10 kilometer uh open water swim right correct yeah and so can you kind of maybe talk a little bit about uh how long that really is um obviously it's 10 kilometers but uh it's it's open water right so what kind of race does that look like uh, correct um so uh at 10 kilometers um it just recently got into the olympics uh it wasn't before the first time it was was beijing um 2008 um before that, open water was just completely different, where there are really long distances between 88 kilometers till 5 kilometers. Um, so there were a lot of different distances when it comes to open water and when you compete in open water. When they put it into the Olympics, they wanted just to put one event in the Olympics, and that's when... Uh, the Olympic Committee agreed on putting only the 10 kilometers in the Olympics. So that's when people all around the world start focusing with 10 kilometers and leaving everything else behind. But you never trained for a 10 kilometer event because this was something new. Yeah. Uh, how that happened is um, Egypt in general has a really long background when it comes to open water swimming. Um, there are a lot of Egyptians. Egyptians are the first ones who started um, crossing the English Channel, doing like all these open water swims back in the day. And um, so open water is very, very well known back home. So you felt it your duty as a countryman to uh, follow in the footsteps? Uh, not necessary because uh, I actually never thought that I can do that much distance. I never thought that I can handle that much distance. Um, and just to give everyone an idea of how long 10 kilometers really is, in terms of actual swim time, how long does it take to complete a 10 kilometer open water swim? It takes about two hours, more or less. So it's wow, in the that's continuous swimming? Continuous swimming. And uh, if you touch anything, you're disqualified. It's even more intense. Yeah, and sometimes it goes up to three hours. It just depends on the waves and the conditions you're swimming in. And is this mostly in a lake? Is this uh, in the whatever. ocean? Ocean, lakes, whatever. It's whatever the race is, is, the course is at, right, for the race. 
oh wow, that's a, that makes it even more challenging. And a lot of the times you'll know the, the course ahead of the time, right? So you have yep. a chance to prepare for this. Yep. So yep. It, do you prepare in swimming pools or would you prepare in open water for open water events? You, uh, you would have to do both. Um, so sometimes you get, you don't get the chance to, um, because I, I came from the Midwest. Uh, I went to school in SIU. Uh, Southern Illinois University. Southern Illinois University. And, um, so seasons of course are different than the rest of the world so like when we go for example competing in south america or like in australia stuff like that we have different season so sometimes our season is during the winter so we don't really get the chance to swim outside but uh, in this situation that's when we will have to go and camp somewhere where it's warm enough that we can swim outside what about like using a wetsuit or is that not allowed in the races uh, no, wetsuits not allowed, but we can wear uh, a long racing suit, which is kind of similar to wetsuits, but just more thin. And um, but it doesn't keep you from cold; it just makes you faster. Uh, I see. Well, those uh, swimming conditions seem uh, awfully terrible at, yeah. at times. Like uh, it's a lot of dedication to do that. It's unbelievable. Um, so actually, that's probably a good segue then into really how you made it over to the states because you competed for a long time in, in Egypt, and what really brought you to the United States to compete for uh, Southern Illinois University? Um, so I don't want to get into much politics, but um, sports in a third world country is different. Uh, and it's actually, when I say it's different, it's very different than um, when you swim or when you compete in a first world country. How so? You you face a lot of challenges. You face a lot of problems um, because people um, sometimes don't really appreciate sports, um, or they just try to get as much benefits out of it than really knowing what sports is. Uh, what What do you mean by that? So what I mean by that is that. Um, People try to take sports as to benefit to benefit them. So when it comes to swimming federations or like swimming uh, people in charge of swimming back home, uh, they will be more doing stuff to be on their favor than caring about swimmers themselves. Uh, and to simplify this is they're just looking for which countries they're gonna travel to. Uh, so they actually take swimmers to countries that they they wanna see, not because to make the swimmers better or to help them with their professional life. So the Federation uses their athletes as a way for personal gain and- Exactly. So is this maybe like a form of corruption or is this just something that's commonplace in, in countries like this? Oh, of course it's corruption. Um, and uh, especially because it's uh, volunteered work. Um, the Federation uh, coaches are volunteers. Yes. And they get funding. Not, not the coaches, but the people in charge, like the Swimming Federation president and the positions underneath him. Uh, so in my situation, what happened is that I was having a Russian coach for five years. And he... In the Egyptian Federation. In the Egyptian Federation, yeah. Um, and he made the team 
way better, way better than how it was. He made us really good where we can compete internationally. Um, he made us really good where top countries like US, Germany, France was giving him offers, was giving our coach offers to go and coach them. But then he refused because he really liked our team and he really liked us and he liked staying in Egypt. Um, but then um, one day, just our swimming physician decided to cancel his contract and send him back home. And that's when we all got emotional. And that was the beginning of me deciding to leave. Uh, so it was a matter, it was a cause and effect relationship. Like you, if this coach stayed uh, in, in Egypt, you would have absolutely stayed and continued to work under him? Totally, yeah. I, I never thought I'm going to leave one day. Uh, so you might not have even been an architect or came to the States or did anything? Never, never. I just never even imagined that I would leave home. Never. I see. So when you did eventually come to the States because of, you know, this event that happened, uh, did you feel almost heartbroken or were you excited to come to the States? What was your kind of emotional state when you realized, okay, I'm going to come to the States now and compete for... I was angry. Really? I was very angry. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, please, uh, please carry on with that. Like, did that fuel kind of your passion to swim, you know, harder in in the states, or what? What kind of mindset were you in? Yeah, totally. I um, it just you know because it's very hard when you leave home, when you leave all your plans that you have planned for all your life. You know, like one day you just decide to leave and put all this behind your back. Um, and and that's that's what I decided to do. I decided to stand against everyone back home. Uh, and um, that wasn't easy for everyone around me as well. Uh, from my parents to my siblings, seeing me going continents away in such a young age, um, telling them that I'm just going to leave. And uh, of course... People in America that helped me do that, I'm very grateful for that. So um, it wasn't just my decision, but it was a lot of people's decision. You have a lot of support from family and friends back in Egypt to do this. I mean, you said it was very hard on them, but were they uh, looking forward to uh, you succeeding in the States? 100%. Really? Uh, so everyone was behind you during, during 100% this. because everyone saw what happened. And, uh, and uh, because it got... It got very emotional because what happened is that it started being a national problem. It was on TV almost 24-7 where people talking about this problem. Like I, uh, The coach getting fired? Coach getting fired. Um, and uh, it was a series of events that happened in such a short period of time that everyone heard about it. Um, and what year was this? That was um, 2008. Okay, so this was a few years before you competed for the first time in uh, London. Correct. Um, I remember one time we, uh, I got a meeting with uh, the Minister of Sports uh, back home, and uh, I went to meet with him, and um, I remember a 17-year-old going to meet with him, telling him the problems that we are facing right now and what's the swimming federation acting and doing to us. And uh, I remember him asking me 
one question and he said how so how old are you guys um how old are you now and i was i'm 17 and he looked at me and he was well i think you're old enough to train yourself really he thought that you guys could compete professionally nationally professionally without a coach coach. and uh, that's when i looked at him i couldn't say a word i stood up and left um I just, I just couldn't say, I couldn't say anything. Uh, so that's when it started being more and more on TV. Um, people were amazed and shocked with what his action was. Um, and that, that was the end of it. That was the end of it for me. Just if the highest level in sports saying such such words uh it was just very disappointing for a lot of us so that kind of solidified your decision to come to the states and compete here correct so do you feel that competing for a college uh was beneficial to your swimming career uh of course um did you do you did well in college yes um i actually at this point i i had no idea where i might go in uh, so I started competing around the world. I just started competing by myself, traveling to swim events around the world. Com- Before you went to college. Before I went to college. And then that's when I met my amazing coach, um, Rick Walker, who was a U.S. national coach. For Southern Illinois University. For Southern Illinois University as well. Um, and that's when I met him in Italy. It was the World Championships. And at this time... I did very well, and I got ninth, and that's when he offered me a scholarship, and uh, and uh, I was, I think that's going to be um, a new beginning to a new start for me, and I accepted it, and I went with him, and I never regretted it. Wow, that's, that's unbelievable. That's fantastic that you had a great uh, college experience like that. I know for a lot of athletes, that's not always the case, where you know, you've competed in a sport your entire life and you go to college and you're forced to practice two times a day and really you, you get burnt out. Like you feel like you're doing this not for yourself, but for your school because you're on scholarship because you have to, and you kind of lose that, that passion and, and that drive for it. And did you ever once feel that way about competing for uh, your school or did you always want to be at practices and train and kill it every single day? No, I agree with you a hundred percent. Um, especially with swimming you know it's it's such a tiring sport um you practice 10 times a week uh sometimes 12 times a week and plus four times you go to the gym and do conditioning all the traveling on top of that for me and all the traveling uh, you miss all the college partying uh you you miss a lot of fun fun events but at the same time Nothing tops the feeling of you winning in in a competition or in a goal that you have been training for all season. Um, and I wouldn't say all my meets were going well. There are some meets where it was it went terrible, and uh, I looked back on myself and I was like, "Am I really want to do this? Uh, do I really want to continue in this?" Um, and Again, I'm so thankful for having such a good coach where he always pushed us in my ups and downs. And um, he was just always there. And he knew how tough of a sport it is. And he, uh, 
never one day he was he looked down on us and I was like you guys can do this so like looked at me and I was like I think you're done yeah that, that's fantastic I mean you obviously had a great experience and I, I wish all the other athletes out there that, that compete at such a high level could have the same uh, story as well uh, unfortunately that's not the case but I mean that's very uh, encouraging to a lot of uh, younger uh, athletes and, and listeners of this podcast that you know when you do go to college it's not always are always bad and there are very positive takeaways from experiences like this and you know competing in swimming which is very much an individual sport but you're in a team setting it's sometimes very I would imagine uh, difficult to kind of uh, put your team's priorities first ab- above your own and I had similar experiences where I've competed on a I played tennis in college and uh, you're competing individually but you also have a, have a team to think about as well and you know that duality of supporting your teammates and being there for your team, but then also having to focus on yourself and, and win your own matches or your own swim meets, it, it's challenging. And it's something that takes a lot of mental strength to do and, and being able to accomplish that as effortlessly as you did, uh, I think says a lot. Um, so that's awesome that you had a fantastic uh, college experience. So I kind of want to get into uh, your first run at the Olympics. Uh, you competed in the 2012 Olympics uh, Summer Games in London. Uh, can you kind of tell me about uh, how you qualified for it, what it was like uh, to go to the Olympics, representing your country? Uh, I'm sure this was a very emotional and exciting uh, event for you. Yeah. Um... um It was very, it was very emotional because, um, and I, I, I'm not sure if you felt the same way, but then when I started winning in the age of 16, you always look at what's next, what's my goal next, what am I going to do now? Uh, now I got that national gold medal, then what's, what's going to happen next? And uh, that's when I started setting myself goals um and it was just one goal of of reaching the olympics uh you had that goal you said i will reach the olympics that's what i want to do yeah and did you write this down did you just think about it every single day it was it was just in my mind i remember i was watching uh athens uh olympics and uh i i i just i just stood up and i was like that's my goal that's uh, that's what i'm gonna do next and is going to the Olympics. And so what did you have to do to get into the Olympics? What kind of qualifying did you have to do? What kind of training did you have to do? I mean, this is pretty exciting to yeah. get this far. So it's it's different in open water. So how you qualify for the Olympics is um, first you have to go to, um, first you have to qualify from your country. So they take top two um, in the same event. Then after that, you go to world championships, and that's when you will have to top, uh, be placed in the top 25. And they take these top 25 and send them to the Olympics. Um, so you were effectively one of the top 25 open water swimmers in the, in the world when you were competing in the Olympics. Correct, because the... Um, it's exactly the same like cycling. They want a specific amount of 
competitors in the Olympics. Um, because if it's more than 25, it's just going to be um, like like a shit show. Right, you know? it makes sense. I mean, you guys are the elite in your group. It makes sense that they would want to keep it that way. Yeah, but, but then when it comes to pool events, there's hundreds of people, but that's because they have heats and everyone can go in, in the heat and compete in it. So it's more organized um, but in open water they can't do that so when you went to the world championships which was effectively the qualifying for the olympics uh what it, how did you place in there so the world championships is different actually the world championships is harder than the olympics really how so because uh as i mentioned that the olympics they take top 25 uh but in the world championships they can be hundreds of people competing so in in a race like open water where everyone swims just beside each other, not on their own lane. That's when there's lots of fighting, lots of contact happens. Throughout their entire swim. So the entire swim. So the more people swimming, the harder it gets. Uh, so the World Championships was always harder um, than the actual Olympics. Um, but in the Olympics, of course, you have all the stress, the whole world is watching you, and all this stuff. Your whole entire country behind you, supporting you. And the support. entire company, it's always on TV, um, so a lot of people are watching. Um, so before the Olympics, uh, I was, um, as you mentioned in the beginning, uh, my, my top ranking was third world ranking, and that's what I did in a series of World Cups. Uh, but then I also won few different world cups uh which my peak was uh winning the canada uh lex and john uh world cup which was that's when i got first as well so going into the olympics um it, it was the first olympics for me so i was but in my mind i had a goal that because you know i wanted to focus with my professional career as well um but in my mind, I had this goal where this is going to be my first and last Olympics because I want to f focus with my career after that. Um, but then going to the Olympics, I didn't do as good uh, as expected. Uh, ended up hurting my knee while I was swimming and then um, ended up having to do a surgery of ACL because my ACL got torn completely. That's a serious injury. Wow, if not uh, treated properly, that can have some lasting effects. So, and now everything is okay. You've had a time to recover and, and get back. Yes. Uh, so I had to do a surgery. I took a year off. Uh, as I mentioned, um, getting back into swimming was not in my head. What did you learn from that experience, though? Because as I recall, during uh, the 2012 Olympics, uh, it was over Ramadan, and, and you're Muslim, and, and during Ramadan, you have to fast. And obviously, if you fast, you cannot compete at peak performance. So how kind of did you make that choice, whether to, to fast or not to fast? I mean, what was going through your mind during that time? Um, that's that's a, a really good topic. Um, and uh, it was huge during the Olympics because, as, I as you mentioned, it was during Ramadan and there were a lot of really good athletes that 
gold medalists um, were Muslims, and uh, it was during Ramadan, so everyone, it was a huge topic, and NPR talked about it for a long time, uh, they interviewed us really long time, because, you know, like, everyone heard about it, and everyone um, was asking questions about it. Um, when it, when it comes to religion, when it comes to Islam, uh, it's really, and it really makes me sick of seeing what happens today in the world, uh, because Islam has been nothing to me than such a eye-opener, calm religion that really guided me through the ups and downs, and like really guided me through what's right and what's wrong. Um, so it was never... Um, it was never really like a limited religion where it limits you to do stuff in life or uh, it angers you against people or like all this stuff we really hear about it today. Um, and it's it's such a, it's, it's just such an open religion where it's just not strict at all. Uh, so during, during the Olympics, um, and that's that's what religion tells you. That's what Islam tells you is that if you doing big thing uh, like competing or working or you have a big excuse that you can't fast, then you don't have to do it. Um, and that's um, that's why we didn't have to do it. Um, and obviously, competing for your country in the Olympics is is definitely a big excuse. So you took that as a sign to. In, in essence, follow your religion and completely fa- and not fast and, and eat and, and train like you should in, in order to to compete C- completely. Yeah, so uh, a lot of people misunderstand the, the religious meanings. Yes, 100 so percent arguing that religion is about following yourself and your own identity a little it's bit following what you believe. Uh, and that's exactly what Islam tells you. And uh it tells you if if you can fast, you can do several other things that you can make up fasting, which you can feed um, one person every day for every day you didn't fast. Uh, so that's one of the substitutes that you can do. Uh, make sacrifices to help other people. You make a lot of sacrifices to... Because it's, Islam is all about helping each other and being... Um, help, helpful to each other and what you're going to do for the community and everyone around you so um, that's that's how it was all about I really wish uh, Muslims can hear this and, and understand your point of view because I think there's uh, a lot of validity to that and I think you have a very uh, interesting perspective on it so it's, it's very fortunate I guess. yeah yeah um, no 100% and uh Again, it's just um, there are different opinions um, in life and in everything that we do, there are different opinions in it when it comes to religion, when it comes to our professional life, when it comes to work, like every single thing, it's people have different opinions on it. Um, but the one thing that we really can never disagree on is is religions because, you know, they... They they are very spiritual and uh, they are very specific of what we should do and what we shouldn't do. Um, so when we see that stuff happening around the world today, these people don't represent Islam, and uh, people shouldn't take them as 
hey, these are Muslims, so they doing all this because of Islam. That's just their own beliefs and that's their own culture. Absolutely. No, I completely agree with you there. So while you obviously maybe were a little disappointed with your results uh, in the 2012 Olympics, uh, there were obviously some very positive takeaways from it as well. And did you learn from those uh, positives and, well, really those those challenges that you had to overcome in, in, in the future? And, and specifically, you tried to uh, compete in the 2016 Olympics as well, and that didn't go as you planned. Um, maybe can you talk about that and maybe what you learned from that experience? Of course. Um, so... I actually didn't try for for 2016. Um, so I did few surgeries after London, uh, where I did um, my ACL and meniscus. Uh, that's the one I hurted in London. So I fixed that when I got back. I stayed six months out of the water. And as I mentioned, um, I never thought that I'm going to continue swimming after London. Uh, that was the end of it, and in my head, I was like, what happened is happened, and it's time to move forward and focus with my goals and my professional career. Being an architect. Being an architect, at this time, I was finishing my master's in architecture as well, so I focused with that, um, and I just never looked back to swimming. Uh, that make you feel knowing that you started from four years old to just give it up like that obviously an injury was one of the main reasons but i mean it's something that you've done since you were so little it's it's in your blood although all my li- like all of a sudden my life was empty um was it the competitiveness what what about it made you feel like everything everything uh the time consuming competitiveness being with my teammates um and uh, I think if you talk to a lot of the professional athletes, they will tell you the same. Uh, there's a period of time where after you decide to stop um, and move forward, that's when you mentally get in that confusion period of time where like you don't know what to do with your life. Um, and And I had to go through that um, how long did that last for you mine was a different case because it lasted a really long time uh for a couple of years um where you just felt empty that you had no meaning to what you yeah did. i just I, I just had different priorities too like i was fin- focusing on finishing with school i uh, didn't know where i'm gonna go after that um so there were like a lot of decisions in my life where that I was deciding in such a short period of time um, of finishing my master's, which, where am I going to move, which job that I would like to get, what I would like to do in the next five years. Like all these things that kept me focused with them and forgetting about swimming. Uh, but it just has been always in the back of my mind where, yeah, like all these stuff are interesting, but with swimming, with with the things that I've been doing since. And how did you get back into it? I I just started swimming. Uh, I just started going to the pool, swimming by myself. I didn't even wanted to join any team. I just wanted to swim by myself, um, be back to the same routine that I was always in. I didn't want to compete. Um, I just wanted 
to do it for myself, stay away from it, like from everyone, just do it for myself, focusing with my career and, and move forward. Yeah, I know exactly how you feel. Uh, after I got done with my college career, I put down my tennis rackets and I said I'm never playing again. Mm -hmm. After about eight months... Uh, Start getting back to it slowly. Yeah. I just got out there one day and... You know, I just practiced with a couple friends just for fun. And I was like, man, you know what? I miss this. Like, you do this since you were so young. You just want to be on the court or, in your case, the pool. And it's just because, like, this is something that you really do love aside from all the the, the tragedy and all the heartbreak and all the emotions that go through in, in the course of your life, competing, the, the training, just everything. Uh, you realize that this is something that you really want to do. And it makes perfect sense why you wanted to get back into it, if anything, just to swim for yourself again. So then what kind of gave you this resurgence to want to compete again? Because you had a very good result uh, not too long ago. Uh, can you talk about that a little bit? Where'd you go? How'd you do? This is on track for you to compete in uh, 2020 in Tokyo. Um, what's going on right now? Um, so... Yeah, after, after graduating and finishing my master's and all this stuff, I got a really good job offer um, in Chicago. And uh, it was for a, a firm called SOM. It's like one of the biggest, very well-known architecture firm around the world. Um, and uh, we started doing amazing work, and I was very happy with getting this job as my first job after college. Stayed busy with it. Um, stayed focused with architecture, 100%. Um, and I was still just swimming by myself. And uh, in Chicago, they have all these great lake events that they organize. And uh, I used to take my bike, swim in the lake, um, bike for 10 miles and come back and swim again in the lake oh wow, that's quite a uh yeah. cardio workout there yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then one day i just saw them uh competing in lake michigan and i was like oh wow like and i was like when is the next one and they said that's the last one of the season but then there's one next year um but you should sign up because um but spots goes by really quick uh so that's when i decided to sign up for it and uh start training for it for a year in advance um and then i went there and i did not very good <laughs> so uh what kind of training did you do was this back to your olympic training days or was this no, it it just just be my like just something beside work, just something that uh, I wanted to do. So put me through a, a workout, like put me through one of the workouts you would do when you started to compete again. So I would do uh, workouts like half half an hour of swimming, uh, which is just straight, um, which is nothing when it comes to uh, Olympic preparation or anything like that. Um, but that was still just satisfying me. Uh, me thinking that I was in pretty good shape and me doing this that's still gonna keep me up to that level um, but then I competed and then I wasn't even top 20 I was really behind in not 
very good level of of our competition uh so then that after that that's when i started swimming more um i got offered a job here um in san francisco and decided to move and that's when i started looking for uh swim teams out here and then i started um i got i found the olympic club and i started joining them into swim practices and then now i just became a member and decided to compete and with the because team because you want to compete professionally again and this all started with your late competitions uh in chicago um yeah um so what kind of workouts do you do now compared to what you did um gym workouts swim workouts cardio everything both both um you focused on any specific type of muscle groups uh, do you have plans or do you kind of just go in and do it yourself like what what are you thinking about how do you prepare for some of these gym or swim workouts that you do correct um so this time i wanted to do things differently um and when i say differently i just i think by this age now i'm on age of 27 which in swimming um generally it's it's an old age uh being 27 years old but in open water, it's not because uh, in open water, it focuses a lot more into experience uh, than age or or what you can, what's your it's ability. It's more mental rather than just physical. Because it's, because it's more mental, it's more understanding of the tide, the waves, um, which way you're going, uh, how can you go into the pack. Um, it's, it's a lot of different factors than just pool swimming. Um, and I definitely got that experience, but I was missing a lot of things in my practice before London, which is lifting was big part of it. Uh, being in the gym, uh, I just never thought it was helping me. Um, so this time I decided to uh, get certified, understand more when it comes to lifting. How is How can lifting prove your body, especially when it comes to swimming? How is that going to help you? Uh, I ended up getting more into CrossFit. I got certified into CrossFit. Uh, you say certified? Certified, like coaching. Uh, I got, so got the license. coaching got certification license. license, exactly. Not, ne- not necessarily coach. Not necessarily that I wanted to coach, but me trying to learn different things about um, body usage and like in the gym and Absolutely. how that works it shows you have a little bit of a uh, clout in order to pass these tests and go through the programs because maybe you don't have to train other people but you can at least uh, use what you now know to focus on yourself a little bit and maybe not exactly have to use trainers yep yep um so right now i'm focused more on the gyms than never before i'm focusing more in conditioning outside of the water uh, because when the older you get, the less training time you want, but you need a stronger muscle. You need, because, you know, like now you need to build your muscle. It takes you to build, it takes you twice, twice the work that you were doing into your 18 or 19 of age uh, to do when you're 27. Um, so I'm trying to build the muscle. I'm trying to build the foundation now outside the water while doing 
distance workout are into there water. any kind of uh workout regimens that you do any muscle groups specifically that you focus on um does diet and nutrition play a factor into all of this definitely uh how's your diet it's so hard to lose weight now <laughs> um, especially working in the office too it's tough especially working in an office where you're sitting for eight to ten hours every day uh, yeah um but if you want it bad enough you'll you'll make time for it and you'll eat healthy and you'll meal prep and you'll do all these kind of things so are, are you on some kind of like a diet or nutrition plan like yeah so i'm 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 on my own diet right now um where for one month and i just again that's what my understanding of my body and that's what starting i start feeling that really works for myself and for my body uh so what i do is that one month i do high protein and then the next month i do high carbs uh and as you said um if you make time for it it always it's easy it's not hard so on sundays i meet prep for the whole week um and it's always easier when it's a high protein month because you can cook a bunch of proteins like steaks or chicken on sundays and just you eat as you go during the week um but then when it's high carbs that's when it starts getting tricky because you're gonna have to start cook every Is other it day carbs that you're eating or like um pasta or like sweet potatoes and brown rices or are you just eating all carbs in sight everything everything uh bad carbs and good carbs um and this works for you this is something that you've you've tinkered with and tried and you know that this is what your body needs for fuel for the events that you do definitely um and your body just needs lots of carbs lots of it um, so when you're in the water sometimes you're training for what over two hours i would imagine yeah yeah so carbs what gives you quick energy uh so that's why we usually do high carbs before uh, the main focus before a main competition um but then before that you do high protein because you want to build that foundation of protein feeding your, your muscle and all this stuff but right, then you want to build the lean mass with the protein and then you use the carbs to bulk exactly some energy yeah yeah that makes yep. sense Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, any, do you use any kind of uh, nutritional supplements or anything like that to kind of help? Uh, you just, just, just protein, just protein powder. Uh, um, before that, that's one of the big things too, is that like all the pre-workouts and all that stuff that um, I, I used to use them. Uh, but then my body was just feeling too awkward, like was just resisting it too hard and like, we were like i was pushing myself too hard like taking these like b workouts for example was just making my body feel terrible um so now coffee coffee does the job you know like there's like a lot of natural things that you can take that keeps you away um from all these supplements so i've uh i'm not a big coffee drinker but occasionally uh there's this company called four Sig sigmatic and they make this uh, mushroom coffee from a uh, changa mushroom, and I'll have to uh, give you a sample of it. But it's about uh, the s a sixth of the caffeine in a regular cup okay. of coffee, so it's about forty milligrams, which isn't too much. But it has um, 
chonga in it, which is uh, anti-inflammatory, antiseptic, anti-cancer, uh, and it does a lot of like good things for your body. And when I take it, I feel like I'm very energized. And yeah, we're, we're sitting at my apartment right now. I'll have to give you a, a packet to take, but no, it's, it's definitely a product that I like to use. Um, and then I'm, I'm big into teas as well. I, I feel, uh, I don't like the caffeine very much, so uh, I'll get my... Um, teas from uh green tea or different types of uh teas that i like to mix together i'm actually a big uh, listener of the tim ferris podcast i don't know if you had a chance to uh listen to that but he has a recipe for uh, this thing called the bulletproof um tea and uh, our titanium tea is what it's called and i'll have to make you one and you, you should try it and it, it, it works wonders on your body so if if you're trying to shy off coffee and you want to try something else then this might be something for you, but that that sounds amazing. Yeah, I would, yeah, yeah I, would, I would love to try Absolutely. that. Well, I'll make yeah. you a glass for sure. But I think using supplements in in the proper way, or this isn't really a supplement, but using herbal ingredients in in proper ways, I think could be a very big advantage to your body. Oh, hundred percent. Especially with all the the sciences out there that have kind of substantiated some of this research and the different health effects, and now is kind of getting. Um, uh, more Western acceptance because uh, originally this is more like uh, Eastern medicine, Chinese medicine. Um, and yeah. now we're starting to see it adopted over uh, in the States. People are starting to use it more. And I really felt like at least for my personal performance right now, it, it absolutely helps. So maybe this is something that uh, would help you as well. So I'm, I'm happy to share yeah, this. No. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for that suggestion. Yeah, anything, that's awesome. you, you tinker with your, your body and you keep iterating over and over until you finally find the magic formula, right? That works yeah, for yeah. you. And anything that helps. Yeah. It's yeah. all about experimenting. <laughs> yeah. That's what, that's what I love to do. And it seems like, you know, you figured out what works for your body and, but there's always room for improvement and, and who knows, maybe something you, you can take, uh, th this tea or this coffee will, will just work for you and then you feel amazing. So yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see if this, uh, this works for you. But, um, so th that's awesome that you're kind of trying to compete again for the for the 2020 uh, Olympics in in Tokyo and and it, it's a couple years out now but I guess the the training and the qualifications start now is that correct if you want to make this yeah um, so I actually didn't make that decision yet uh, and the reason for that is um, I have a lot of priorities now uh, where I'm very focused with my career, very focused with architecture. Um, but moving forward, I keep adding um, competitions to my list. And uh, and uh, the more I get into it, that's the more I decide. Uh, because as, as I mentioned, this time I want it to be different. This time I want to go, if I go, I want to go very prepared, very knowing what I'm doing. Um, so now I start adding all these competitions. I just competed last weekend. Uh, Where did you go? Uh, I just went to Santa Rosa. They had uh, a local event, and I competed in that. Um, uh, in two weekends, uh, we go into Tahoe. Uh, we're swimming across Tahoe. Um, uh, that's about... 36 kilometers, but no, so I'm going to do it with, with uh, a group of people. So where you swim for half an hour and rest for half an hour. Like a relay, exactly. 
Um, so as as I'm going, I keep adding competitions, and then I think by the end of the year, that would be my final de- decision of saying I can do this in two years or not. I see. Well, so it really is dependent upon how you do, how you feel, if this is a priority for you? Which which it is a priority. Uh, but again, it's lots of factors in it that... Um, I really have to think about and I really need to make sure that I'm not wasting my time and everyone around me as well. Um, Absolutely. I would imagine it's more of a decision of people in, in your network uh, as well who, who would have to encourage you to do exactly. this. And because and obviously this affects more than, than just you, your, your, yep. your team, your support groups, yep. Yep. everybody. So yeah, this is definitely a decision that can't be taken lightly. Well, with whatever you choose, I, I wish you the best of luck. Thank and, you so uh, much. If you do eventually uh, want to go and compete for the 2020 Olympics. In Thank Tokyo, you. I'm sure you will do uh, just fine. Um, so I want to talk about your love for flying. Uh, you are a licensed pilot, a flying enthusiast. Uh, where did this come from? This, not many people have done this. Like, yeah, um, to be a pilot. A lot of time. Um, how I got into it is actually because of swimming as well. Um, again, everything in my life is is because of swimming, um, and it got. It's because of swimming because we were traveling the world since a really young age, um, going competing in different continents, uh, different countries around the world. I think now I've been up to uh, 50 countries. Um, and it, it's just because of the opportunities that swimming gives you of competing all around the world. Um, and there are a lot of times where we would be traveling and pilots will take us into the cockpit and see how it is. And it's just a whole different world being in the cockpit. Um, just seeing stuff from above, just it's a, it's a whole different um, environment. And it really does make you think a lot. Um, why, like how are these stuff in there, you know, like, how are these clouds that are, like, holding themselves, you know, like, stuff like that, like, really detailed stuff that really makes you think. Um, so every time I'm flying, um, I just find myself having an awesome time. Um, and uh, it's just something I wanted to pursue. Um, so once once I was done with with college, I started taking flying lessons in my free time. Uh, in the weekends, I would just go and take flying lessons. And um, and uh, last year, I got licensed. Uh, Congratulations! Thank you. Thanks. What, what kind of plane do you fly? So I fly small, really small airplanes now. Uh, Cessnas. Uh, so I know what a Cessna is. I don't yeah. know too much about flying as a whole, but yeah, I have a friend who's a helicopter pilot and. I've heard stories about people uh, who use uh, th- there's the rotary wings, then there's the fixed wings. Exactly. Call them. So you're fixed wings. I have right? fixed wings, yeah. uh, Cessnas, which are two seated or four seated airplanes, very small. Uh, you take passengers. I take passengers. Yeah, I take fans all the time. I so if let's I need go sometimes. Uh, I know who to call. Yeah, totally, totally, anytime. Um, yeah, um, I actually do. Um, bay tours as well so like people who wants to go and um 
see the city because you know I want to um, give the opportunity to other people as well seeing how good it is and helping them you know like seeing this awesome time with me um, so it's, it's just such a, such an amazing time uh, and now I'm working on my second license to be able to fly into the clouds uh, which is it's called instrument license um, so that's what I'm working on right now when it comes to aviation and wow that, that's amazing you're really a, a jack of all trades there and yeah, yeah and you also speak uh, three languages I do uh, yeah English and what are your other two English Arabic and French Oh wow! Yeah, and has the, I would imagine in your in your travels, this has absolutely uh, helped you. Oh, totally. Yeah, um, yeah. It's 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 crazy how many languages are there around the world, and like every time you go visit a country or visit a place, you're like, oh, I want to learn this language. Uh, but of course, this is <laughs> so difficult to do. Um, but there's there's just like so many beautiful languages around there, and. Uh, you have a passion for learning languages oh i would uh, i would love to learn italian uh it's a language of love it's not a bad it's language yeah <laughs> no no oh um i speak a little conversational spanish enough to uh get myself out of trouble um but i, I would love to actually learn learn japanese that's, okay that's something that i have a goal to do this year at least um, a little bit but that's that's pretty tough. that's a good goal yeah uh Italian but, wouldn't be bad either. <laughs> but knowing Spanish, that's a big positive because a lot of countries around the around the world know know Spanish. Uh, well, I was forced into it. Uh, really, I grew up in San Diego, and okay. we're very close to Mexico. So, and big Spanish community. Want, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And if you want to uh, order your, the burritos <laughs> at the local uh, taquerias, yeah, yeah, have to speak a little Spanish. Yeah, so yeah, makes I, sense. Uh, from an early age, I picked up uh, how to order at a restaurant. Oh, uh, okay, that's good. Yeah. That's good. And I figured uh, it was easy to continue that in high school. So yeah. why not? Uh, you know do Spanish instead of having to learn something else like French, for example. Awesome, man. But yeah. No, that's, that's fantastic. You speak a few languages and that you fly. Uh, it's nice to have hobbies. And, you know, if you ever decided to stop swimming, which at, at some point in your career, everyone stops. Competing, exactly. Uh, it, it's good to fall back on things that you love. And, you know, I think those are uh, good things that you have yep. uh, to fall back on. Um, so anyone who uh, is looking to either compete in college at a professional level or really anyone aspiring to be an Olympian like you were, uh, would you maybe have a little bit of advice for them? Uh, in swimming or no, something else? Just in, in, in sports in general, just uh, what you've been through. Do it. Um, Wholeheartedly, just go into just it. Just go all out. Uh, sports are amazing. They... from really small things that helps you to um to bigger things uh small things as keeping you away from bad things keeping you away from drugs keeping you away from like you know all the normal stuff that college students do um but also it helps you a lot in life where it's building your personality it it just directs you in life and uh Gives you a sense of purpose a little bit. Gives you a lot of purpose in life. Yeah, that's uh, what happened for me. It, yeah. Tennis really focused me on my goals and seemed like swimming did 
the same for you and, yeah. and and it's obviously helped you in your professional career as a swimmer and as as an architect and you know it's awesome to focus on something that you're really dedicated about and almost in every sport uh it just it just shapes everything in your life from your yearly routine from setting yourself goals for being competitive being understandable being calm in situations um shaping your day uh uh, I'm I'm the first guy in my office every day, every morning, just um, because I'm just used to it. Um, as as in swimming, I'm I'm always used to be at the pool deck, the first guy. Uh, uh, that's that's what I'm doing with my professional life as well, and I I think 100% all of this is because of swimming. Um, so yeah, no sports just completely um directs you in the right direction um and it keeps you away from a lot of terrible things terrible things uh so yeah i can imagine so mm -hmm. that i think that's very good advice to yeah. any youngsters out there continue to uh pursue sports and it keeps you out of trouble yeah exactly <laughs> No, that's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, well, Mazen, um, I, I appreciate you coming to uh, chat with me today. I think uh, this was very insightful, I think, for many reasons. And I think you're a very interesting person. You have a great story. And I really uh, wish you the best in your professional career as an architect and in your uh, professional career as, as a swimmer as well. I know you're going to do uh, some amazing things. Um, but thank you for being on the show. And I'll have to uh, have you back uh, at some point for a little uh, update on how you've been doing in some of your competitions. I would love to, and thank you so much for having me. Um, you're very interesting as well, and you know, like everyone is very interesting, and everyone got these skills that you look at them and are like, oh my god, I wish I do stuff like them. You know, like you and your tennis. Um, uh, I played tennis and I felt so bad too. <laughs> so it's like, well. It's okay. I'm not a good swimmer. <laughs> no, so, but yeah. I think a lot of people out there listening um, will kind of, uh, I think they'll be able to connect with some of the stories that you, you shared and hopefully be able to uh, implement some of these positives in their own lives and be able to see that, hey, just because you have some challenges, you can overcome them. And it's just a matter of if you want it badly enough. So I... Uh, Really appreciate you being so open and candid with me about that. Of course. Of course. Anytime. Of course. Well, thank you very much. Thank you so much, man. Thanks.